good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I am your host, Patrick Grimion, otherwise known as Patty G. You are listening to The Patty G Show, where I bring on local guests to talk about their specific business or businesses, as well as the entrepreneurial scene of Baton Rouge and surrounding areas. We also get down and dirty to look at the fine print of their journeys thus far. We share some of the greatest of times that they've had in developing their businesses, but we also take a look at those dark times, those bad times in their businesses where they learn some very invaluable lessons. So if you enjoy learning from business leaders or you want to start helping make an impact in your community, this is the show for you. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy the latest episode of The Patty G Show. Hey, everybody. I am Patty G, your host. You are listening to The Patty G Show. This week, I've got a good friend of mine, Charles Swallow, with Industriflow on the show. And just a brief description, Industriflow, it's an online industrial retailer and they specialize in pumps, seals, and valves with extensive experience in the pumping industry and they've got all the resources, all the knowledge and hands-on experience that any customer needs to offer an efficient solution to whatever problem you may have. So Charles, welcome to the Patty G Show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Uh, why, don't you, why don't we get your description of what industrial flow is, because that was just pulled from your website. Yeah, Patrick. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I've listened to a few episodes and I uh, appreciate you bringing me on. Industrial flow. I started a few years ago. Um, really, about a year and a half is how long we've been actually doing business. And it's it's an industrial retail online it operates in the, the online space. Um, and what we do is, is we're kind of attacking a different side of the industry that your local retailers will, will go after. We're finding those people that don't know exactly what they want and they go look for it on Google. And what we do is we make sure that we're popping up there to find a solution to their problem. So whether it's pumps, mechanical seals, or valves, we, we utilize our connections and our vendors to help us solve the problems for our customers that, we, that they need solved. Yeah. And, and we make ourselves convenient. Um, and we and we always, you know, put in the time that maybe a big corporation would to to offer a little hands on help. Yeah, so you, you're the, the the smaller company for the large corporations that are looking for pumps, but you're also the educational side of that. So you've got you know like kind of write ups to what the pumps are about at least, describing what they're used for, and then when they call in if they need to, you have people that can kind of you know walk them through what's the issue and how they can solve it with a product of yours. Yeah, so I mean, we've sold to, to really big corporations. I've also sold to, you know, small one-man shows that don't have the time to, to educate themselves on some of the products they need, and that's where we can come in and help them, uh, help them in a way that a big company would. Okay. Um, so that's kind of where we found our niche. I've heard the website described as, as one, one of my com- customers described it as a website with a heartbeat. So really? it's, um, it's kind of like, you know, all the websites doing this, have a 1-800 number and somebody's paid to sit there and answer the phone but we can offer something a little different different where whoever answers the phone can probably answer their question if they can we connect them to somebody that can right so we we're kind of in the educating business as well dude that's that's great so it's, it's kind of like that commercial for i don't know what company it is but with the radio where they, they call the phone the lady answers hello this is so-and-so and you hear beep 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 like people trying to press numbers to get through an operator 
It's like you, the first call, you're speaking to a real person. Right, right. And they're not used to talking to somebody immediately who, who has a somewhat understanding of what they want. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm by, by no means an expert, but I definitely have the, the means to get to the experts and answer their questions in time. Wow. Okay. So what, what, what made you want to get started in this space? I mean, pumps, seals, and valves, that's not your, that's not your typical space that people are looking at going into. So what kind of, what's your background and what made you want to do this? Yeah. So I definitely have a, uh, grew up in the business. Uh, you know, my, my dad was in the industrial pump business for you know, 20 plus years. I, I grew up seeing that. Definitely didn't get an interest in pumps, uh, which is probably not what you would think I was going to say there. But no, I didn't get an interest in it. I got an interest in the in the part of it that I wanted to start my own business. And uh, talking to some guys, you know, they were talking about how you know, the internet's going to be where these industrial products are going to start taking off. And, you know, around my junior year of college, it kind of clicked with, you know, why if somebody's going to start a website to sell these, why not be me? And... You know, since then it's been a lot of, of tripping and falling, but now it's starting to kind of, you know, steadily grow and take care of itself. So it wasn't really a passion for for the products. It was a passion for creating something uh, that solved the problem and you know, obviously make some money doing it. Wow, great. So it's so you said you had some bumps and some stumbles along the way. Are, do you have? I mean, it's a very clean website. It's not at all looks amateur by any stretch of the imagination. So, do you have any background in, you know, web design, or do you hire somebody outside to take care of that? Not. I uh, I hired somebody to take care of it towards the beginning uh, and design the the basis for it. Since then, I've learned to you know do very minuscule stuff. But as it grows. That's something I'd like to clean up even more. It does look professional. It does do its job. It's uh, it's very clean, but you know it can always be better. And, and someday, hopefully, we have it in the budget to have a full time person that just sits there and works on the website. Dude, that's that's awesome. So what what did it take? I know you said you had some background in the pump industry. What did it take for you to find these manufacturers or these suppliers to willingly, I guess, put their products on your site? What what did that process kind of look like of reaching out to you? Well, initially, it's it was I had some connections that I met um, in the industry through my through my dad, and uh, he didn't really deal much with them. But but I was feeling them out, and I was like, "Look, this is what I'm doing. Do you mind if I if I put your products out there?" And they were like, "Yeah, it can't hurt anything." And I think they were doing it more to just help me out. It turns out it's 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 actually worked out for them financially as well, but. Uh, since then, you know, I I had some exposure um, actually in Fender's business report after Venture Challenge, and I had a vendor approach me about this and stuff online. Then I had uh, shoot, I had just you just meet different people. They they see what's going on online. They see they don't want to start a website. You know, they they have products they sell, but they don't want to start a website necessarily. They're not in that business. They're not interested in being in that business. And if you come up to him and say, look, for, if you give me a rate that's, you know, if you give me a certain rate, I'll put them on the website and, and we can both make money if they sell. If not, you know, they didn't lose it. Yeah. Wow. So it's actually not that hard to find. Um, you know, it's, it's, gotten, it's gotten easier as it grows. That's, that's great. So how is it kind of dealing with them? You know, I know some of the smaller mom and pops, when they order a pump or a part, they need it either the same day or next day. How is it 
working with those manufacturers to provide that, you know, sp speed? Oh, some of it's in inventory. So some of it's right here in Baton Rouge, which makes it very easy. When it's not, it's, you know, you just got to hustle it in. You, uh, that means paying more on shipping. It's paying more on shipping. You know, you, there's times where I've lost uh, percentages of my margins in order to meet that timely deadline, hoping that, yeah, maybe I lost some money here, but the customer comes back and starts to trust me as someone who can get them things in a timely manner. It eventually pays for itself, and there's times I've lost though. There's times, there's times where I broke even on products I've bought because I've, you know, the number one goal was satisfying the customer. It wasn't necessarily seeing how much money I can make on each year. Right. I think I think that's really a great mindset to go into any business, especially yours. You know, being an online company, you've got not a lot of human interaction with your customers. So being able to provide that top tier customer service whenever you do interact with them, and like you said, maybe losing some percentage on your margins, I think that's a great way, and I think that's gonna bring you, you know, catapult you into the next level. So I wanna to touch on the Venture Challenge. You kind of briefly said you met a vendor there about, you know, they wanted to list your products on, their, on your site. What was the Venture Challenge process like? You know, you're at LSU, and take me through what you did to you know, apply, and how you, Put together the business plan and then the pitching process and just kind of the whole big picture of the venture challenge. So the venture challenge, let's see, I won the twenty eighteen was the year I won. Um, it was not I got my first sale around the time of the venture challenge, about a month before. Uh, the, I think the website didn't launch until maybe the December January before. So that was in April. It was only it only been up about four months. I, I told you know everybody at LSU's entrepreneurship department who was encouraging me to do it. I said, look, I'd rather do it next year when I have some sales and I have a little more to pitch. But I ended up, you know, kind of taking a shot in the dark with a business plan and ended up being a, a very good business plan. I had a lot of help with it, so I'm definitely not taking credit <laughs> for that. But um, I, I turned that in, you know. Again, didn't think I'd be top three. Turns out I was top three. Once I was top three, I knew it was all about the pitch. So you know, that's when I just hit the drawing board with it. And you know, myself, uh, Kenny, over at Innovation Park at the time, um, you know, we really worked on it. There's a lot of people that chipped in and gave me the, I guess, ingredients I needed to succeed with that. Still didn't. I was kind of shocked when I won. It was fun. Um, it was a really fun process. Winning was, was super helpful, you know, having a check that you can just, you know, spend to propel your business to the next level was, was, was an awesome thing. And obviously, I appreciate LSU for that, as well right. as everybody who helped me make it big. But. Right. And how was, outside of that one vendor that approached you at the challenge, how was the press and the publicity from that, you know, whole experience? I think they did a really good job with it. Um, you know, that's just LSU coming out doing everything they can to help to help us out. They I think the advocate was there, the Baton Rouge Report was there. Not long after, you know, WBOZ did something on it. So it was really cool to, you know, get our names out there and, and other people in the industry, you know, want to help college students. And, you know, I'm out I'm out of school now and that's something I'd be interested in doing, you know, down the road. I don't have much time for now, but <laughs> Down the road, that's something I'd like to do is, is, is help those people out. So it kind of gives us a, you know, spotlight that says, "Hey, look, this is what younger people are doing." For people in the industry, it's it's interesting, you know, because 
they're seeing, oh wow, here's somebody that's actually doing the online stuff that we've heard was coming and we've heard was going to be huge and et cetera, et cetera. They they now have it, you know, someone to look at and kind of talk to about it. That's great. So how many how many business plan different versions were there for your specific plan? Uh, quite a few. So the first one I turned in was just a like five. It's like five pages probably of just like not double spaced, twelve point font, just rambling. It's terrible. Uh, the next one was like ten pages, maybe some graphs, uh, and then the final one. Kenny and them were laughing. They were like, "Oh, the first ones we thought were terrible." And that last one, you know, had charts, flow charts, uh, so many different aspects to it that were just, you know, made it super clear. I didn't understand. I didn't really get how to get the industry across to someone else, and they just emphasized you're going to need to do that. So I had to find, you know, creative ways to do that. And that was what a lot of the business plan was: was laying out the current situation and then just explaining how you fit into it. Okay. So what? For the people listening, it's same same type of situation. What is kind of, you know, that? How did you relate to them, the industry, and what solution you were having to the problem? Well, I was, you know, I just I laid out a lot of examples. I guess the industry is very uh, dependent on its local vendors, and and still is absolutely. But there's a lot of things that fall in between with there's a lot of accounts that fall by the wayside that those local vendors can't service there's a lot of people you know as the younger generation gets into purchasing positions within companies their first inclination when they have a question is to google it whereas you know older generations might the first inclination they have is to call one of the local vendors and say can you answer this for me but just naturally, we've grown up Googling our questions. Right. In school, we Googled our questions. So it's as this generation starts that purchasing power in these B2B companies, that's what you know, B2B sales is going to go up because they're going to start Googling their questions. And I've, I've noticed that firsthand. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that, that you couldn't, that's you hit it right on the head with our generation. You started to see that trend move in industrial sector or even in the mom and pop shops where the people in the purchasing powers are starting to get younger and they're adapting the younger ways of researching for products. So I think that was, that's very great, straightforward and kind of ahead of the curve. So what, I want to take a step back from industrial flow and you kind of touched on this a little bit. What did moment in your life, if there was one, did you know you didn't want to do a nine to five or a typical job? Well, I, long time ago, was physical. I, you know, I saw my dad was always in sales, so I guess I saw his what he did for a living, and he eventually started his own company. And that's kind of when I started to see, you know, not necessarily that I didn't want to get a work from nine to five, because I do. In fact, you get a work a lot longer than that a lot of days. It's that I didn't want to be, I didn't want anybody to tell me, you know, this is this is what you're going to make this year, regardless of your performance. And I hated that. So, really, the best way to avoid that is one sales. You know, you have commissions and things, but take it a step further, and you know, don't have someone that can limit you. So, I just hated being limited. That was that's kind of always been my mindset. Um, that was my mindset before I really knew I wanted to to run a company. It was just now that's what that's turned into. You know, that's 
the product of that mindset is is starting their own business now. Okay. Gotcha. So, follow. So, how with your dad owning his own business and doing that as you grew up? How did your parents kind of raise you as a kid? You know, were they always pushing you to try new things? Were they pushing you to explore new options? Or they kind of, you know, sat back a little bit and let you do your own thing? Uh, no, it was just pushed me to work hard. You know, my dad started his business when I was at an age where I knew what was going on. Uh, but yet, still very young. So, it had an impact on me watching him watching him work hard. He started a, a distributorship when he didn't even have a vendor to work with. So, that was just absolutely just hitting the, the grinder and working as hard as you can. If there's one thing that was ingrained, it was that. That's that's one thing I believe you can't ever let go. You gotta keep going. Right. Every yeah. single day. Um, I think that's what separates, you know, the good from the bad, obviously. But a lot of people work hard. I think it's it even goes further than that. The good and the great. Um, I think it's the what you do in those those minuscule periods of time. Uh, you know, what are, what are you doing on a on a Tuesday night at, at eight thirty? I think that's what separates people. A lot right. of people work hard nine to five. A lot of people work hard eight to eight to four. A lot of people even work hard nine to six. But it's what are you doing when other people aren't? Right. And that's um, that's what's important. Really. That's what separates. That's what separates. Yeah, I mean, abs- absolutely. You've got those people that do a phenomenal job at their normal hours within the job. They're nine to five or six to three, whatever the hours may be. They do a great job. But as soon as that clock hits their quitting time. They're done and they go home. And then, I mean, like you said, the great are the ones that take that further step. And, you know, 8.30, they're, they're hashing out, they're grinding, they're doing whatever they need to do. And that's what really separates those people, you know, from like the regular 9 fivers. And I think what you're doing here is exactly that. So with that, with that kind of being said and you having your business where it's at now, do you still consider yourself a startup? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm doing, yeah, absolutely, I guess. I don't know when, I don't know when you... Well, because the typical I typical guess... notion of startup is you're working, you know, 24 hours a day, every single day, for every, forever, and you're doing everything till you get that funding, you get that sale. Are you still operating under that same mentality? Yeah, just because there's so much to learn technically. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily doing that until I get the first sale or this sale or whatever funding or anything like that. I'm not necessarily doing it with that mindset anymore because it's not like I, I have to do that to keep the business afloat. It's more of let me learn as much as I can. It's more about learning. It's what can I learn that's going to set me apart uh, in the future. That's what I'm doing with that extra time that I say. You know, when I said, like, what are you doing at 8.30 on Tuesday? Um, and I'm not always doing this. I <laughs> right. wish I was. But it's, uh, you know, I try to make an effort to do so. It's what are you reading that's going to help you five years down the road? What are you learning that's going to help you? Because I think it's it's exponential. It's an exponential curve. So, I mean, if I can learn a lot of this technical information that, that I can go out there and help an engineer solve this problem, you know, what's that going to turn into? That could turn into huge things. So, it's not necessarily that I'm working just to get that funding. or get. There's no, like, stopping goal. It's just continuing learning. Right. So, um, yeah, the business is still a startup, but, you know, I've gotten it to a point where the business is financially stable, whether I have to do that or not. Now I need to keep learning if I want to grow it, but it's not that the business is made a ton of money. It's that yeah. it's that I started it with a lean mindset. So you know, 
watch what comes. If you watch as you're making money, if you watch what goes out, you set yourself up to be you know, pretty comfortable. Uh, that way you don't have to do that. You know, you're not staying at the office all night long because you've got to keep the lights on tomorrow. It's and I've had the privilege to do that. It's not. I've had a lot of help with that. You know, at least you gave me a place to work for the first year. That you know how much money you saved there. You know, so absolutely. It's I'm not taking credit for that. I'm, I was blessed with that opportunity to, right. to be able to be as and it's, are you still, you know, like you said, that lean mentality, do you still run your business with the same lean mentality or have you kind of started to say, you know, okay, I think we can spend a little bit more here because you've seen what it's done in the past and now you're able to be like, hey, like you said, like let's grow, you know, the advertising budget a little bit more. Let's spend more on web design. Whereas beforehand you were like, look, let's find an intern. Let's offer him three hour credits for free to get this job done. Yeah, I went, I went down that road before. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, and it's a brilliant road for startups yeah, to go is. down. It is, it is, and it's. But I mean, you get what you pay for too. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way, but uh, so yeah, no, absolutely. There's there's things now that obviously you want to take. The way I look at it is, I'm still extremely lean with things that aren't gonna, you know, with fixed costs, I guess, things that aren't gonna make me money. Um, you know, I don't need the newest this or the newest that or the new computer or the new this or the new that, whatever. Um, where I've gotten more lenient, and, and I would say I'm extremely lenient with it, is spending money on things like advertising and, uh, you know, different things that I do with the product so that I can make more money. It's not a, so I guess I've become, I'm still have the lean mentality with certain things, but if it's something that can propel the business and make more money, I've, I've gotten a lot of less. Right, you're willing, uh, you're willing, willing to drop that, that money for it. Yeah, I mean, you got to kind of yeah, right. And you're and like you said, you know, you're at the point where you you have that ability to do it. You know, even if it's small and fractionally, you know, very small gambles, it's still something that could pay off. You know, super in the long run. Right, right. That's what I try to look for. Right. Everybody tries to look for that. Right. It's finding. It's the difficult part of actually it's mailing it, yeah. where they're at. Yeah. If I knew where to spend a little bit amount of money to make a lot. I would have done it. Yeah, I think I think everybody would do the same thing. So what what were some of the challenges and difficulties of getting this thing started, of getting the business to that point of being able to have that ability to gamble here and there? What was everything? What were some struggles or difficulties to get to get the to point? Get right, right. Yeah. Uh, shoot, I mean, there was a lot. It was just kind of. And there was a time where, right when it started, I, it was cool that somebody emailed me on my website. I remember I sold something for like, first sale was for like $210. I was sitting in Middleton studying for a Roman history final. And like I walked into that final and I was like, oh man, I just sold something online. And now it's like, yeah, it's just funny looking back. But yeah, there's a lot of struggles of, you know, you got that one sale now you paid for you weren't even getting close to breaking even you didn't have an advertising budget you didn't uh, it was such a grind to get a sale it was and when you finally got one it felt it felt like you, you know, did something huge right when, when you did but it's it's that first that rush of yeah, like making that first I mean, sale it felt, it felt really cool uh, but yeah there was a lot of barriers I mean really you know, obviously, one big resource that a lot of people struggle with is, is, is money, and uh, that's obviously a huge problem at the beginning. You know, you make none. So, 
kind of just getting through that slow period. And uh, really time, too. You know, you spend so many hours at the beginning putting stuff on the website and fixing the website, and there's no return. None. Zero. There's no customer calling you. There's no, you know, that feeling you just mentioned when you get a sale. There's none of that. It's just you're sitting on your computer putting stuff into a website, and it's miserable. You're not getting paid for it. You don't know if you're ever going to sell anything. I was pretty confident I would, but obviously that's why I did it. I thought I wasn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> right. But, yeah, it's just you, there's no encouragement, if that makes sense. Zero. Oh, absolutely. There's, like, no, no like, pat on the back for this. It is just, it's terrible. That's just working through that phase is brutal. Yeah, and that's, that's something that, you know, is not looked at too often because there is no pat on the back. There is no reward for spending I guarantee you, you probably spent what hundreds of hours just yeah. working on the website and had nothing. No, no, no sale. That's why the two hundred dollar one cost huge. <laughs> right, and and so how how long was it from inception to that two hundred dollar sale? How long of a time period was it? Of the idea of launching the website. Like from the website launch date to sale, what what was that time period? Oh, I'd say at least a couple months. A couple months. Which. Not super proud of. I mean, I was mean. I didn't have any advertising. I was just like hoping my name popped up in Google, which is never a good way to do anything. So what? What were you? You were literally just created the website and didn't do anything past that. You weren't like emailing people. I uh, no, I, I did like the cold emails and stuff. I mean, okay. there was just no advertising. There was no paid marketing. If that makes sense. Yeah, I did the organic stuff, but uh, you know, that, a lot of the organic marketing when you're trying to sell a pump, it's not like something you person wants right then and they get it it's oh, okay i'll keep you in mind for when i need this for when right. mine goes out i'll keep you in mind so you never see the results of that for months down the road so at the beginning you're just sitting there doing it and you're just like oh, this is miserable. <laughs> but, you know you have to you have to keep in mind moving every day right and so for for your business being solely online and trying to get those organic reach I'm sure you became quite the expert in search engine optimization. Yeah, yeah, I was, you know, kind of fit what I was studying at LSU too, so I was constantly brushing up on that. But even though business started as solely online, it's gotten, you know, I've done a lot of work out in West Texas and even work here in South Louisiana that, that kind of came from industrial flow that have nothing to do with online. So, you know, I flew out to West Texas last year. Um, and, and met with customers and worked on a project with them. So that's, you know, it's turned into a lot more than an online business. The online business is how it started, but it's, it's, it's became its own, you know, entity. Right. It's, now, it's, it's now like a real, a real company. It's not just a website. Right. Yeah. When it started, it was just a website. But gotcha. Now it's, you know, it's kind of doing real things. Dude, that's, that's awesome. So what, with, like you said, you had those two or three months before that first sale ever happened. Was there ever a point in time where you were just like, I'm going to throw in a towel. I'm going to quit. Like, this is just not worth it. I'm seeing no results whatsoever from hundreds of hours of time. No, no. Honestly, there wasn't. Because it was a, I knew that was going to happen. But you go into it knowing. Uh, you go in there with, I guess, this might not be the right thing to say, but I go in there with the, Bloom and doom mindset and let the success surprise you if it comes. Because uh, you got to be willing to do the work even if you fail anyway. So right. I just, I hoped it would succeed. I thought it would succeed, but I didn't go in expecting it. 
Yeah, that's where I think you some people can mess up is they go in expecting success and then when it doesn't get there, it's oh the world's crashing. Oh no, let's just get up and do something else. Yeah, what <laughs> what you're doing is not working. You need to adapt and pivot yeah. and move into something that will work. And whether that's better. a totally different business or it's something different with the business you have. Right. Either way, it's probably do something else. But don't I just don't like going in there with this attitude of this is gonna be huge. Um, oh no, I haven't done it. I haven't made any sales. I need to quit. That's just I mean that's just a fool's way. Right, right. And that's that's kinda of something you know, a good mindset to have is you know, and I, I tend to have that one as well is look I'm going to do this. What is the absolute worst thing that could happen? Like literally, what is the worst thing that could happen if I do this specific task? And then once you realize, okay, that's not that bad. You know, or if it is really bad, then obviously don't do it. But if you're like, okay, that's the worst thing that could happen. You take that time and you dwell on it. And then you're like, I could live with that. And then you just push right on through. That's right. something that you know a lot of people tend to see and just they don't they when they see what's the worst thing that can happen, and you think about it like oh gosh oh that's terrible and they just back off right away, and so that's clearly something that you obviously you know you didn't do. Oh yeah, you, you have to it. You have to be okay with failing. That's that's a, you know it's you got to be okay with that. If you read about all these you know successful businessmen out there, they've all failed at some point. Um, it's, it's you know what you learn from them. Right, and you got to keep in mind that when you do fail, usually nobody's looking. Um, you know, people notice success and they they focus on success and they, you know, crave that. They don't. When people fail, it's nobody's watching. And they don't care. Right. You know. Yeah, at, at least in the early phases. Exactly. Oh yeah. I mean, when a giant oh. company fails, it's like, oh you know, yeah, I'm about naturally. Like when a startup. If a startup just never takes off, well, it never took off. Nobody's looking at it. Anymore. Right. So there's nothing to fear there. Um, you know, that's that, to me that was encouraging. Like, if you make a website and it's completely awful, you fail. Well, it never got anywhere anyway, so nobody's looking at it. Right. There um, wasn't enough traction to begin with to even give anybody notice. So right. nobody's gonna look at you as a failure. Just, nobody's gonna look at you now. Right. Yeah. That might sound bad, but it's. I think that's encouraging. Well, so, yeah. It's 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 both encouraging and it's both 100 percent the truth. I mean. You are going to be your biggest, you know, naysayer. You're going to be like, oh, you didn't do this. You didn't have that success. Right. Nobody sees it. But as long as you get outside of that and you're like, okay, yeah, I failed. Let's move on and let's see how I failed. And you analyze it and you're like, okay, I did this and it didn't work. I need to now change this and think of a different way to go about it. And it's the lessons that are learned from those failures that are huge when moving forward to push through on your next venture, even if your first one wasn't. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's learning an industry. I mean, the way I always say it is, like, because right now I'm getting, you know, a lot more, like, heavily engineered stuff, management, you know, big Fortune 500 facilities. And I kind of always look at it as the learning process is like when you watch somebody running hurdles on track, you have the veterans that are sitting there just clearing every hurdle fast. And then you have that guy that's at the very end, he's never done hurdles before, and he just keeps running right through them. <laughs> he's moving he's going forward right he's he's running a race but you know he hadn't quite figured it out every time he runs through a hurdle he's one step closer to jumping over it so that's it man. it's uh it's how the learning, the learning process there learn by learn by doing and you know naturally you're gonna have to learn by failing as well right it's those I feel like you learn much more through failing 
than you do through achieving or accomplishing and right off the right off the bat. Definitely. And, and what was it? And not just learning, not just learning by failing, but you have to make a conscious effort to one not get beat by the failure, and two, you know, learn from it. Right. It's not just you don't just fail and then you know get up. You gotta you gotta dissect it, break it apart. Why did I fail? Even though it's sometimes uncomfortable, because you got to revisit it. Yeah. Well, you know that's what's going to prevent you from failing again. That's it, dude. That's it. Nobody likes looking back on their failures, except those that understand the lessons learned from them, and the fact that you know, oh, I messed up here, but I know why. It was because this was a certain way, and I didn't do this all the way, and but now I know how to overcome that. So the next time, boom, not going to be a failure again. Yeah, when people say overcoming failure, I think that's what that's what's in that is learn why you fail, learn how to fix it. Hundred percent. Because a lot of people just you know they don't want to revisit that, whether it's a, you know, a huge failure or small failure, they don't want to visit revisit a failure experience and break it apart. Because it's, it's hard. It's not the easiest thing to do. Oh no, it's most definitely not the easy way out. But it's 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 necessary to go further than you have in the past. So what? Is there anything that's kind of stuck with you from inception of industrial flow to now and that you're kind of holding on, I guess, as like a core value? Uh, probably just going back to, you know, uh, working hard. And I guess that's more of a personal thing. Uh, with industrial flow as, as an entity, it's, it's just how you treat your customers. Uh, putting their, you know, putting, putting what they need first not which, you know, some of that's, you know, giving your best effort and in in helping them so just don't be lazy. And some of it's um, doing everything you can. I mean, they need something, it's how can I fix it? Um, you know, it's not how can I fix it and still make this much money. No, it's how can you fix it? Right. Because it's not, about, it's not about you. It's not about industrial flow. It's not about uh, keeping, and I guess a good, situation like this would be, you know, somebody's, somebody gets pumped, they break it, it's their fault. Um, they want you to expedite some stuff in, they don't want to pay the shipping for it, or, you know, you're just getting some hairy situations sometimes. And it's just keeping it cool and doing what you need to do to, to boost the company in the right direction. And then it's not always what makes it the most money on that individual transaction. Yeah. Um, sometimes you lose that's it. And is that is that a kind of mentality or culture that you're trying to instill within the employees or interns that you have now? Yeah, keep customers first. You know, we, our job is to is to solve their problems, and then once we tell them how we can solve their problems, it's to it's to go and do that. Right. And to to always be there. You know, there's times I answer my phone. At, I've answered my phone on Sunday before. So my call. You know that that's not going to happen. We can't beat the big companies with advertising budget. We can't beat the big companies with web design. We can't beat the big companies with even lead time sometimes. Usually we can, but that can they have huge inventories. So right. where where can we win? Let's figure out where we can win, and just keep repeating. Yeah. And stay true to that. Don't as you grow think you're too good to do that now. You know you're gonna plummet right back down. Just find those core things that you do better than, than your competitors and stick to them. Absolutely. And so with, I saw you have an address and I'm assuming you have a warehouse here. Is it in Baton Rouge? Yeah. So what is it like 
being in business in the Baton Rouge area as a semi-online company and a semi-physical company? Well, I mean, I can't speak for all industries, obviously, but for my industry, it's, you know, we're a huge petrochemical hub. Um, the biggest in the, in the world, possibly, is Houston. And you know, we're right down the road from them. And we have, you know, between Bell Chase and Lake Charles along I-10 right there, you've got just so much industry. So it's a great place to be for what I do. And I think Houston you know, would someday be the next move um, okay. to expand as far as geographically speaking. Um, there's just so much opportunity to, to just grow. And if you treat customers right, you treat people right, you build the right mindset, there's, you have good products, mm-hmm. uh, good services, not, there's not much that can stop you. It's how hard you want to work. Right. And so what, you talked about Innovation Clark, and we had to talk about Adventure Challenge. What other resources have you used in the Baton Rouge and LSU? What kind of have you reached out to and tapped into, and were they successful? Shoot, I guess the biggest one is just connections. Uh, you know, find people you know who have done it, who have been where you are, been where you want, more importantly, been where you want to go, or are where you want to go. Can they pick their brains? Um, what did they do when they were where you are? Or even if you're just a student, where, you know, what were you doing at 19 to, to get where you are now? It's just, to me, it was being in Baton Rouge, I'm from here, so I had access to a lot of people that I grew up with and knew personally, and people they knew personally that I could go and ask. As far as, you know, formal institutions like you know, LSU was obviously a huge help. The entrepreneurship program there was, was growing right about the time I got there. Um, they were really starting to take off and make some pretty big moves. Innovation Park was huge, um, you know, with the Venture Challenge. And, and still, you know, I still stay in touch with those guys that are on that out there. Um, just, shoot, there's just so many different Okay. It's hard to <laughs> nail down to just yeah, one or you two. Just, you know, it's a lot of just a little bit here, a little bit there from a lot of different people. Okay. Okay. So with, you said the entrepreneurship department was just getting started. I think I, I graduated in May of 18. When did you graduate? Uh, May of 19. May of 19. Okay. So what, and you were a, f- a member of the fellows program and all of that? Yes. I was okay. at the same time. I believe we were there at the same time. That's right. We had a couple classes together, but I was the, the outside fellow because I didn't do the whole summer program, summer yeah, internship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did you find that beneficial for Industrial Flow? The fellows program. Fellows program, the entrepreneurship degree, what LSU was offering to the curriculum. Well, so I'm actually, I got my undergrad in May of 19 um, in marketing and sales. Okay. So I didn't graduate with the entrepreneurship degree. Um, okay. I was... I think about 12 hours away from finishing it. So right now I'm doing some stuff to finish that up. Okay. So I'll finish that in May, which will be the second, second degree, I guess. But uh, no, they've been a huge help to answer your question. Uh, the fellows program was a, you know, you meet a lot of people through there. I remember one time we got to go talk at the LSU 100. That was really cool. Um, just a different brew events, you know, you show up, you know people. It was, it was just really a nice way to connect with people on campus and off campus. And hear different stories. I know we went to like Gatorworks, we went to all these different businesses, got to you know, talk to different 
with business owners. So that was that was awesome. And then the the, the, the degree as a whole, I mean, I've taken most of the classes for it, so I guess that's um, You know, I remember this, they had a business plan class, all these different classes that every little thing helps you. You just hang in there and, and learn as much as you can. You'll look back and say you learned a lot. Right, right. So in the, in the LSU and the Baton Rouge scene, with the involvement that you have, at the level that you've seen, is there anything you'd change about it? Or if you had to change one thing, what would it be? And this can be either on the LSU curriculum level, the fellows program, Baton Rouge environment, the ecosystem. If you could change one thing about the, the environment here, what would it be? Ooh, wow, that's, that's heavy. <laughs> it doesn't have to be heavy. Uh, I mean, you could say like you know, fix road, fix the construction on this road uh, or yeah, something like that. Make it easier to get around that right, but I mean, um, just just one of the like a, a struggle or a roadblock you've hit with your business that you're like, you know, if we just had this one thing, or if we just had it done this way, it would make it easier for online businesses or for college, students in college to get their startup off the ground. Honestly, there's, there's nothing that just stands out that like it's that one thing. I need. Uh, it could be it could be cool. It could be collective. We could roll off a whole list here. Yeah, we could. I mean, uh, you know, I love how LSU did bring in a lot of uh, speakers when I was there. So I, I, that was, I think, where I learned the most was listening to people that started their own companies. Uh, you know, men and women that have been there before. You know, have, have been where either you are or where you want to go and being able to learn from them. Honestly, you know, my thing would be I wish they did more of that. Okay. I wish I wish you did more of that, which they, they do a lot of it, so it's kind of unfair to say, you know, I wish they did more of it. Uh, that's one, and just, you know, I wish there was between, this is a one, between the colleges, I wish there was more of a uh, way to connect. Yeah, kind of at the BEC with a bunch of business students. Well, you know, what's going on at PFT? I wish there was a way that they could link those. Um, I just mentioned PFT because you know I'm kind of in the engineering field of things. Oh, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd say you're heavy in there with all your technical components of your your pumps and your valves. You got to understand all that to talk to the customers. So. Right. So I mean, just being in, you know, being involved with, with that with that college. I mean, I've you know someone who's working with us right now that's a mechanical engineering student. So, you know, we are connected, but, um, you know, the more of that we can do, the better. Right. That, that connections across departments. Right. You know, and getting, getting the people in touch with each other at an earlier stage, right when they get into freshman or sophomore or whatnot, rather than on your way out of graduation, you happen to stumble across a couple of these people and meet them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think the, the speaker thing is huge, too. I mean, I know for me personally, the best time I learn is listening to other people share their stories and share the lessons they've learned along the way. And I know when I was at LSU, that was one thing I also found super helpful was when they bring those people in and talk. You know, because I know, yeah, I enjoyed that. And back to what you were saying about you know, connecting to different colleges. Uh, you know, like, I wish I had somebody that had more of a technical mind around me when I was starting all this. I think it would have helped. I've, I've learned a lot, but you know now we have actually you know, my technology job 
Yeah. Uh, we, we, can na- we, Hayden, we can name drop in here. Yeah, Hayden Nixon works with us now. He's, you know, he's well known in Baton area. He's, he's mechanically just gifted. <laughs> yeah. I won't give him genius title though. Okay. He's mechanically gifted. <laughs> he's wor- he's yeah, working he's, up that no, way. He no, knows, he knows the products very well and he, and he knows how to fix them and work on them just kind of naturally. It's, it's, it's really, uh, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. And that's something I, the reason I mentioned that is something I don't naturally have. Uh, I've always felt more comfortable with I guess the business side of things, where you know he's he's one of those people that just can has a gift of you know mechanical brain. Right. Yeah, and that's especially in your industry and your specific company with industrial flow. It's so crucial to have somebody with that mindset, you know, because you can have all the business knowledge, you can have all the technical in and outs of how the business is operating, and even web design experience. But if you don't know down to the component parts for your pumps and the products you're selling, you're not going to give that customer the experience you're trying to. So I think that's really wise to find somebody like that and you know, just really crucial to the success, the success excuse me, of the company. Right. Yeah, and we've kind of done that as a company. We've gotten, uh, you know, we've, we've brought in people that were of different backgrounds and different skills, which I think is also super important. You know, don't find two people that skills just like you now you just have three years <laughs> right. we have you know we have one who's got human resources background and more of business accounting background as well with that and then we have you know myself and then we have Hayden and he's the mechanical stuff so it's I think it just complements each other really well that's great so how how are you finding those people currently and first off how many people do you have and how are you finding these specific individuals so the Three that uh, really deal with industrial flow would be myself, Mike, and Hayden. Uh, found them, you know, just I didn't go recruit them or anything. It kind of just worked out. They were, you know, we were all kind of talking, and uh, Mike was switching career paths, and Hayden was still in school in mechanical, so he kind of fit, you know, for what he wanted to do. And uh, we just built. That's great. So, no, like formal recruiting. So no, okay. So no formal recruiting. It was just more of kind of word of mouth. Yeah, we could need this. Gotcha. And that's that is something that's so crucial, especially in a small town. I guess I say small town back. Yeah, it's a small town. It's aspect to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's you've you can say what like for example, you say Hayden Mixon. I actually went to grammar school with his older twin brothers, Reed and Ryan. So, and it's just the matter of small town, a lot of people know each other, and so that word of mouth is so crucial for small companies getting started off the ground, especially when it comes to recruiting. Right, exactly. No, it's huge. Uh, it, it's a, it, a lot of people, uh, that's another good thing about the ecosystem, I guess, here, is, uh, you know, people are very quick to help each other out, uh, very quick to pass on, you know, references to people that are in the same industry. I think if you're in a too big of a market, that that can kind of go by the wayside. It's a little tougher to do that. So Baton Rouge is somewhere where you know you can you can easily meet uh, people that are interested in what you're interested in. So. That's great. So what what are some of the lessons you've learned in this process that you would give to a fresh entrepreneur, somebody just you know? 
whether they're in high school, whether they're in college, or whether they're 40 and want to start something, what is something that's kind of you've learned along the way through this process that you would give them and you would implement if you had the opportunity to start over? Um, I mean, I'm definitely still a fresh entrepreneur. <laughs> but you, you, so you've grown to something now that's, that's comfortable and is able to survive on its own. Right. You know, so, so, yeah, um, be, I think just be as lean as possible. Yeah, um, be as lean as possible and work as hard as you can. So, you know, it sounds like common sense, but it's kind of really what it's two, I think, really good recipes for success. So, if you just can, can figure out how to make sure you're spending money on things that are the right things to spend money on and not necessarily go after what's flashy. I think a lot of people, when they start businesses, it's super exciting. And uh, I see a lot of people, and not that this is, you know, not that this is going to success but a lot of people have this like show off mindset where it's like let me go get all the nicest this and the nicest that and it's all about the publicity and the, the clout aspect to it right. um, whereas like that's that's a pretty good barrier to, to you know get yourself in a bad position um, oh yeah you know you don't I don't think you should start a business and go out and buy things you know figure out what's necessary to succeed and then pretty much cut out everything Headphones. <laughs> right. Because right. um, I see it's so many people that are just, you know, spending spending money on things that are kind of just to be flashy and say, like, hey, look at me. It's a pretty good way to, I think that's I think that's a really bad move to start off with. And it, it's, it's kind of tempting. People like to, you know, you're excited about your company. You want everybody else to be excited about your company. You want to look good, feel good aspect type deal. But, you know, that can get you in a, a financial trap pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Especially, I mean, you know, money's a finite resource, I guess, when you're starting a company. And so, and so is time. So don't waste your time on it. Yeah, figure out where you need to be spending your time and don't, don't kind of, don't waste it on other places. Right. Don't, don't try to work on a project that could bring value whenever you know you could be spending time on something that will right. bring value. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't spend your time, again, chasing rabbits that are kind of more on the showy side of things. Just, Figure out what's going to get the job done. Absolutely. So where do you see your company going in the near future? One, five, ten years. Uh, one. So one is, you know, we want to grow our online reach as much as possible. Like we've sold in, you know, 20-something states by now. Uh, yeah, I'd like that to be more. So let's, let's get our geographical reach up a little bit. Let's get some more big accounts. You know, accounts in West Texas. I mentioned uh, a few other local accounts. So let's get let's get a lot more steady business, not the necessarily just the guy that Google's it. So let's let's become a trusted name that bigger accounts can trust. And then, um, you know, five years. Obviously, during all this, you're expanding your product lines. You're getting more and more lines on there. You know, initially it was just pumps. Now it's pumps, mechanical seals, and valves. Um, within those fields, let's get more brands on there. It's, you know, if you made 50000 under one brand, yeah, you know, you spend a lot of time trying to get that 50 to 100 and that is necessary, but let's bring on another brand that we can do another 50, and another brand that we can do 50, and another brand that we can do 50. And while we're doing that, let's try to grow everything as one week, but, you know, it's hard to do. So, get more and more brands. Uh, I don't think that's ever a terrible decision. Don't water it down to where you're offering stuff that doesn't work. You know, find good, trusted products. So while we're 
while we're growing and developing, that's all part of it. Um, that's all part of growing geographically. That's all part of growing financially. It's all part of growing uh, employee-wise. So bringing on new brands is huge. Um, and then getting into new projects. So, you know, we have some stuff coming up that's going to be private label with industrial flow on it. It's going to be actual industrial flow products. Wow. So that's that's big. Um, it's a whole different ball game. And it's something that I'm super excited about. But, you know, you get into, there's a lot that goes into that now. You know, your name's on it in a facility. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's some legal. <laughs> there's some liability there's issues some liability there for sure. There. There's a lot of different things <laughs> you're getting into and that starts happening. So we're kind of getting into a whole new phase of business. And my goal is to just keep growing. What's, what's kind of got us here is the online stuff and those big accounts that I have. Let's keep those satisfied as well as, you know, double and triple that while we kind of explore these other new avenues to, to, to different successes. Okay. So what do, do you know enough yet to talk about your private label or is that way too far in the future? Some, some of it I can. Yeah, some okay. of it. Okay, so what 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 is that process like, dude? Like you're you're creating your own parts, your own pumps. What is that? What does that involve? Yeah, so I'm not like the whole deal with private label. I'm not engineering it. Okay. Um, I would love to one day get to a point where we have you know, professional leads that are doing it. But we're private labeling for a company that will allow us to do so. So okay. um, in this case, we're getting stuff out of Egypt, and we're bringing it to the United States. This company has no presence in the United States. And you know, there's a lot of contractual stuff that goes with this, but it's right now it's it's pretty it's pretty just basic. We're we're taking those pumps, we're putting we're repainting them, we're putting they're repainting them. And they're sending them to me with, with all of our info in it. Right, right. And it's an it's an industrial flow component. It's it is our brand uh, that we stand behind. And then behind that we've done a lot of testing you know, product, uh, I don't know if justification is the right word, but we've, we've ran through this product enough times to realize it is a quality product and it's something we're willing to put our hands on. Okay. So the, really, the, it's the challenge with private labeling is one, finding somebody that trusts you to do it, mm-hmm. and vice versa. I've got to find somebody that I trust is making a good product. Right. You know, if I can put my name on some stuff that breaks, well, you know, I'm kicking dirt on my name for no reason. Exactly. So... That's one of the lines we're doing is a pump line. One is a mechanical seal line. Um, and that's kind of the same, same thing. You know, you just got to vet the products, uh, find a manufacturer that's willing to do it, and, and go from there. Uh, now you got to find a customer. Yeah. So just, and, then, and then, you know, you have, when dealing with Egypt, this stuff's coming over in shipping containers. I've got to keep an inventory as a real pain, you know. You gotta wear it six months out. So, oh, so it's a six month uh, lead time. Yeah, typically. For me. Wow. And that's that's kind of on my list. Could be <laughs> could be eight to could be eight to ten. So you gotta make sure that when you're selling stuff, you sold something to a customer. It goes down. You better have a spare. You better have something else to sell them because you say, hey, oh, thanks for buying that pump. By the way, you're gonna get your neck in six months. The yeah. Down breaks. They're going to somebody else. Oh, 100 percent every single time. Every single time. So I mean, you can't. There's just so much you got to do on the back end. Too. Uh, so you, you're learning not only how to do a private label, you're now having to worry about inventory control and managing lead time orders and when you can, you know, when's your, where does your reorder point and all that. 
data that you now didn't have in the beginning, you now have that you're having to deal with. Yeah, and I've got some, some help with that from some uh, outside <clears throat> partners for that line, that particular line for another reason. Um, mechanical seals will be, will be all lines, but it will be an industrial type line. Dude, that's that's super exciting. I didn't, I was not aware about aware of that. So that's that's very exciting. Okay, so we're we're starting to kind of wrap up with the show. What what is something the listeners can kind of take away from industrial flow or your your experience so far? What's something you want to leave them with as kind of a parting gift of wisdom? Um, shoot. I mean, I. I've actually gotten really interested, obviously, in this stuff. Um, I really enjoy doing this. However, at, at the beginning, like I mentioned earlier, I wasn't. It wasn't like a passion for pumps. So don't necessarily, you know, I was looking for a problem and how I could solve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily looking at a solution and then trying to find a problem. That's where people really can get messed up. Um, you know, hey, I have this great idea. Now, what? Now, what does this do? Why are people going to pay me for this? That's sometimes a situation where you can get in trouble. People, uh, if you think you have this great idea, make sure it's solving a problem that people are willing to pay for, or there's no business. Right. So I kind of saw a problem uh, and and hit it with a solution rather than um, to developing a solution to a problem. And then trying to find out what that problem is, and then trying to find out are people going to pay for it, and then trying to find out okay if they do pay for it and there is a problem, they do want a solution. But how much are they going to pay for it? Which is kind of a long. You can definitely do it that way, but you where you can get in trouble is developing a solution and then you're kind of self making up problems that might not exist. So that just really goes back to customer, you know, interviewing customers over and over and over and seeing. If this is something that's going to work before you spend a bunch of time on it, right. makes man makes com- complete sense. So, what is something that I can do to help you achieve your next goal or achieve any goal that you have? Man, uh, hear about somebody needing help. <laughs> hey, that and that that very well could be something. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> you know, is there anything that you're just like, oh, I've got this one, one problem or this whole slew of problems for that matter. Is there anything that I can do to help you? Yeah, um, shoot, it's really just, you know, we're doing, we, we always could use help with website design, graphic design. Um, you could always use help with, you know, if somebody's got really cool mechanical ideas or inputs, that's always good. And then if somebody wants to buy something, that's good too. Perfect. So any, anybody listening, if you've got web design skills, if you've got mechanical design skills, or you know you've got some great mechanical ideas, or if you need pumps for that matter, please reach out to me or to Charles. Um, I'll put all of his information on the podcast in the show notes so you've got easy, readily access for it. Um, so I just want to say thank you so very much, Charles, for coming on the show. I had a blast. I learned a lot. I learned some very interesting things. So thank you so much for your time. It really means a lot to me. I know you've got whole lot of stuff going on so thank you for that oh um, i appreciate you having me it's, uh, it's always fun to do these things absolutely so everybody listening uh thank you so much for joining us for this rendition of the patty g show you go out have a great day and try something new that you've been wanting to
Thanks. Thank you so very much for listening to the Patty G Show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy day to give this show a listen. If you enjoyed the episode and want to help us out, be sure to click that share button, like the Facebook page, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And with the show constantly growing, we are continuously looking for new guests to come on and share their unique story. If you or someone you know would be a perfect candidate for the show, be sure to reach out to us through the Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Patty G Show. And finally, I hope that this show inspires you in some way to get out of that everyday muck we call the comfort zone and try something new, whether that be starting a new business or even taking up a new hobby. Just go on out there and give it a whirl. We got one life. Let's live it to the fullest we can. And if there is anything that I can do to help you with that, be sure to reach out to me through the Facebook page. I'm here to try and help as many people as I can get one step closer to achieving their goal. Now you go out and have a fantastic day. I'm Patty G. Thank you so very much for listening.